2: Welcome to another episode of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, the Cali Chief leads another spirited conversation in the Red Friday Roundtable. Checking in on the weekly press conferences, Andy Reid and Mike Rabel share their thoughts on this weekend's big game. Chiefs Wire contributor John Dillon gives us a history lesson on the Titans and Chiefs rivalry, as well as Steve McNair and his importance to the league today. But first, we start things off as always with Charles Goldman, the managing editor of the Chiefs' Watch. Hey, Charles, I got to start off by asking Do you believe the dramatic victory last Sunday will rejuvenate the Chiefs' fortunes at Arrowhead Stadium?
1: So I'm thinking that really this win at Arrowhead Stadium is not going to have a big impact on the Chiefs moving forward. It's really about 25 days uh, until the Chiefs are back at Arrowhead Stadium. So they're going to have to rebuild any sort of momentum that they got from that uh, when, when they end up getting back to Arrowhead Stadium after the bye week. I I do think that this was a a good hard fought victory. And I mean, that alone is going to help propel this team, but the, the, fact of it being at home i don't think it bears any significance moving forward uh since since they're going on this this two-week uh road stand here They head to the titans for week 10 and then week 11 we have the mexico city matchup uh on, on monday night football so that that's going to be a, a whole different challenge i think for the chiefs right now but really i mean what what can't you say about that victory at home uh, it meant so much to the fans who were in attendance, but also for the players who had really been struggling to get much momentum there at home. I mean, you saw the emotions there at the end of the game with the game winner from Harrison Butker. Uh, that, that was an important one. They needed to get that one, and they, they managed to pull it out. So hats off to them for that.
2: Are there any concerns regarding the Chiefs' offensive line following the Vikings game? As far as, uh, you
1: know, the offensive line is concerned, I I think that really with all the injuries they've had and all the different pieces that they've had mixing in, I mean, you look, they haven't had their starting offensive line really since that first week of the season. So now you're kind of looking at, you know, a bunch of different guys who've got in there, who've got some experience, and that'll that'll pay off down the line uh, in terms of, you know, you have an injury issue in game. You have to have a guy come in and step in. He'll be more prepared to do so now that he has some experience playing with those guys that he'll be playing side. Um, players like Martin Martinus Rankin. Uh, he's getting some really valuable snaps. Um, guys uh, like like the veteran Stephen Wisniewski. He, he had some some snaps in there at the right guard position. So he's mixed in a little bit. Then obviously you have Cameron Irving playing left tackle for, you know, uh, uh, over a month here now. Um, When Eric Fisher returns, obviously Fish is going to be the guy to take that over. But at any moment, you know, things can change and you're going to have to plug and play a guy in there. So having that experience, I think, will be important. Um, And and moving forward, I, I think that these guys will just continue to play better and gel better just as they get more snaps together, get get that experience. Even if they keep shuffling the line. I know that Laurent DuVernay-Tardif is practicing this week. Um, Eric Fisher returned to practice on Thursday in some sort of capacity. So we, we'll be seeing a closer to full-strength line eventually. But uh, if they keep mixing it up and seeing kind of what works best, or if they just roll with some of the guys they have in there, um, it, it could end up being...
2: Um, significant for for the Chiefs. What do you expect from the Chiefs' Week Ten matchup with the Titans this week uh, against the Titans? I'm feeling really confident uh,
1: for the Chiefs coming off this win. I've already talked about kind of how important it was to get that momentum and get get that win after kind of struggling to 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 find that uh, for a few weeks. There, they they had you know. The the slip up against the Packers and they had the back to back losses when when Patrick Mahomes was dealing with uh, with his ankle injury there to the Colts and the Texans. So they're kind of struggling to find that momentum. I think this is the type of one that can propel them into a really big game this upcoming week. You look back at the Chiefs' schedule, you see that they've been playing against some some teams that are finding a lot of success. This is really the first team that they're going against that is kind of struggling to to find success themselves. So uh, they're dealing with a lot of injuries. The Titans are right now. They're they're also you know got the quarterback change going from Ryan Tannehill, uh, or excuse me from from. Marcus Mariota to Ryan Tannehill, that that's a big change, and, and there's going to be some some bumps with that, some bumps in the road there. So I really think the Chiefs are going to come out, they're coming going to come out swinging for the fences. Patrick Mahomes plays in this game, uh, which at this point I do expect Patrick Mahomes to play. He's going to propel the Chiefs to a very big victory over the Titans. They're going to be winning by double digit points at least. I'm thinking, you know, they could they could put a 30-point lead on the Titans when it's all said and done. Um, I, I'm expecting some big plays on the offensive side of the ball. I'm also expecting the defense to really continue their their wave of dominance. You're talking about a Titans offensive line that's allowed the most sacks in football right now. Um, and the Chiefs defense has been getting after the quarterback these past three weeks, unlike any other defense in the league. And they're really finding their identity and pressuring the quarterback in playing the run. So I think those two things are going to really, really help them this game. You you look at the Titans, they're a team that's set up to run the football, which means, again, they're going to be able to leave that that base 4-3 defense on the field with the three linebackers against heavy personnel. That That's really going to be important. I think, as uh, for the Chiefs to, to continue to be able to lean on those packages. Um, their sub packages clearly aren't their strength right now. But I think if you can rely on those, you can get uh, some some serious advantages against the run game uh, and when it comes
2: to rushing the passer. Any particular stories from Chiefs wire you would like to highlight from the past week? One of my... Um, Favorites. I'm tracking
1: all of the the Senior Bowl announcements uh, for for the different players who are receiving their invitations and accepting their invites. So much. I'm, tr- I'm, I'm tracking all of that. Senior Bowl's something that the the Chiefs have relied on heavily to find talent in the NFL Draft since Andy Reid arrived in 2013. The Chiefs have taken at least one player that's played in this game in each of the seasons. I mean, you just look at the guys from last year. You got Juan Thornhill, he played. Colin Saunders, he was quite impressive during the one-on-ones uh, for, for Senior Bowl week last year. And even Brett Veach pointed out that this was a guy that really flashed for at the Senior Bowl, and they, they don't want to lose out on guys that are in their own backyard. So com- the, the Senior Bowl really helped them notice him and take um, – take a deeper look and, and now he's on the team and he's performing really well uh, for the chiefs at, as this one Thornhill. So, I mean, you just look at, at some of those guys, uh, not all of them have been great finds, but um, you know, these, these are guys that, that build up the, the core of your offense, the core of your defense, the core of your football team. And you got to be able to find those guys, identify them. And, and the senior bowl does a really good job of just bringing in great talent and helping them showcase that during the course of the week. So I've been tracking some of those selections. I've also been um, l- linking people within that article to um, some of what what our prospect series and some other articles have said about those players. So that's one definitely to check out. We've got a, a bunch of other cool stories uh, on the website. Mike Vrabel, the head coach of the Titans, had some really interesting things to say about Kansas City um and, and you know being a, a former player uh for the chiefs so check that story out um we've got a lot of stuff on uh on from steve spagnolo from andy reed um some stuff from from some of the players this week uh you know following the vikings game so be sure to check all that out and uh you know uh thank you so much for for listening and for reading i hope you enjoy
2: the rest of the show For more information on this story and others, head over to ChiefsWire.com and we'll give you all the details you need on the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, the Chiefs Wire Podcast Roundtable.
3: Red Friday Chiefs Kingdom. Here we are going into another game, with or without our starting quarterback. We're not quite sure yet. We'll find out soon enough. I'm speaking today to a special guest, Miss Allie Trost. She's with Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. How you doing today, Allie?
4: Doing very well. Really excited for the game this weekend, and hopefully the Chiefs can keep it up and get another get another win on Sunday.
3: That's fantastic. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Allie. Your sports uh, background
4: yeah so I dating all the way back to my younger years, I grew up in a family of six. I'm the oldest of four. I have three younger brothers, and as you can imagine, we played every sport under the sun. I'm an avid um, you know I, I grew up loving and playing soccer my entire life. I'm a huge fan of the game still today, and in addition to covering the sport, follow along very closely but uh, yeah, grew up playing soccer primarily. That was kind of my sport. But in college, I got my first opportunity to cover sports uh, as a sports journalist, as a beat writer for the Mizzou women's basketball team. That was an incredible experience, uh, great Very program cool. over there, and just really great people. Uh, they had an awesome team that year. They still do. They've been pretty successful. But that year, I got to cover Sophie Cunningham, who now is in the WNBA, and... Just really fell in love with you know the idea uh, and the profession of you know sports journalism. So when I graduated from college, I moved to Kansas City. I actually took a full time job doing marketing, but I was constantly doing sports stuff on the side. So I was nice. um, part of the SB Nation community and I uh, wrote articles covering sporting Kansas City. I ended up investing in my own camera equipment, started filming sideline interviews, and trying to just do as much on my own that I possibly could. Then fast forward to 2018, I joined Arrowhead Pride, covering the Chiefs before probably their most exciting season ever with Patrick Mahomes in his first year as a starting right. quarterback. So that was an unbelievable experience. Helped me learn and grow so much um, under the amazing crew that they have over there. Some of you know the most talented people I've ever worked with to this day. And then that eventually led to me getting my first full-time job in sports, which is now a sports radio 810. Um, so absolutely loving it there. I do a whole wide variety of things for them. But, um, in addition to that, I also do some freelance work. So I've, um, done some sideline reporting, um, event reporting. I covered big 12 media day. So all of that's, that can be found on ESPN plus, but work with a variety of production groups, uh, as on-air talent for them. So, so, yeah, it's been kind of a, a backwards path to get where I am now, but I absolutely love it, love working in Kansas City, and there's just no no shortage of exciting you know teams and things to cover here just with Mizzou, KU, K-State, um, Chiefs, Royals, Sporting Kansas City. Who knows? Maybe in the future we'll see an NBA team or an NHL team here, but um, absolutely Great. loving it. So
3: and Right now we have potentially the – Best team in the NFL going forward. Once Patrick's healthy, all the pieces are coming together. The defense looks like it's starting to click. We have a big game this week. It's another AFC game. It's against a team that's largely been inconsistent to not very good, but has given us hiccups before. Um, Usually has a pretty aggressive defense, solid run game. The quarterback situation is in a bit of flux. We'll see. We'll see what they give us. We'll see what we get to give them if we have our uh, quarterback in play. What have you been hearing as far as um, guys coming back from injury?
4: Uh, As far as, you know, for the Chiefs, I think uh, for a while there, especially in the last couple of weeks, you look at the Chiefs injury report and you're just like, oh, bleep. Like, that's everyone on the team. (laughs) Um, But – You know, I think the biggest news to come out this week was that on Wednesday, Patrick Mahomes was a full participant in practice, which was a huge step forward since he hadn't been um, fully participating in practice since the injury. Um, But in addition to that, you know, having Frank Clark hopefully coming back as well as Alex Okafor, LDT, Eric Fisher, some of those other pieces as they – you know, slowly start putting more work in. Um, Hopefully we'll see them uh, actually getting some real game time here in these next couple of weeks. But the return of Chris Jones first and foremost was I think one of the biggest impacts for this chiefs team without a doubt in the Vikings game, he completely Mm -hmm. um, added in just what was missing. And I think what's been great is that this defense has been able to, um, get other players that wouldn't otherwise otherwise see as many snaps uh, in the mix. It's been, you know, kind of a a whirlwind for Colin Saunders. He's been getting some experience, Derek Naughty, having more of a um, of a leadership position and, you know, having more required of him uh, for the defensive line. And I just think that, you know, Chris Jones coming back and then being able to complement all of the hard work that these other uh, defensive linemen have been putting in has been exceptional and, I expect, you know, as long as Chris Jones stays healthy, which he appeared to be totally fine after the game, we haven't heard anything else uh, from the Chiefs facilities on whether or not, you know, he sustained any, you know, dings or bang ups after his first game back. So that's promising news, but. No, this defense is coming together, and I think a lot of it has to do with Steve Spagnola. You talk about this 4-3 defensive scheme, and not just that it's simplified, which a lot of players have continued to praise Spagnola for uh, throughout this season, but it just was a matter of time before the new players and uh, just kind of the new looks started coming together in a way that would be dangerous and would put this defense uh, in a position to help win games and complement the offense. And I think you're finally starting to see that, which is really exciting, especially right. with the anticipated return of Patrick Mahomes.
3: Well, and you were mentioning Nadi and the defensive front. Nadi, the last couple of weeks, has not only started to really assert himself as an immovable force, he's actually starting to develop into a penetrator, and that's that's crazy good for our defense. On top of that, you have Tano who they've moved inside, and while he had some trouble with edge rushing uh for for whatever reason um maybe the you know left tackle is a little quicker a little more of a dancing bear type out there uh, he's got a speed edge on those guys on the inside and when he gets low and sets himself like a spear and launches it's his length he's he's in the backfield so fast it's not even funny and all that sets up perfectly for Chris Jones to play more at defensive end than D tackle yeah chris jones at dn to me is he's reggie white 2.0 yeah like he could be that good as a defensive end, and that's crazy scary good for our defense. Then add to that, oh by the way, we have Frank Clark, who's like a whirling dervish Tasmanian devil on the other end, and yeah. you know you might want to double team that guy. Well, exactly. So I really like that, and it's taken the pressure off of our linebackers, keeping our guys like Hitch and Wilson free to to roam around back there and shoot the gaps when they happen open, which was on full display this past weekend when they shut down, largely shut down, uh, Dalvin Cook and contained him to his one of his weakest outputs all season long
4: yeah and I think the biggest thing that impresses me with this defense and with Spagnola specifically is his ability to make adjustments I think a lot of the criticism of Bob Sutton last season and, and you know seasons prior was that he he just wouldn't change he wouldn't make adjustments yep. he wouldn't you know he wouldn't play to what the game was throwing at uh, this team and this defense
3: we talked we talked about that a lot on here yeah <laughs> I mean the AFC championship lining up And Tom Brady looks us over and he snaps the ball and looks at the defense and is like, oh, really? You're not going to shift? Okay, let me just pick you apart and drive up and down the field like I'm 25
4: years old again. Yeah, and it's predictable. It's predictable defense, and that's what burned the Chiefs in the past. And I think Spagnola uh, is constantly trying to be creative. And then through that, you know, creativity is finding what's working and what's not. For example, against the Packers, Mm -hmm. one of the biggest stats that people, you know, were talking about after the game was from pro football focus that Aaron Rodgers went 11 of 11 for 183 yards when targeting Ben Neiman, Anthony Hitchens and Damian Wilson. Obviously mm-hmm. that was a difference maker in the game. Aaron Jones had two touchdowns. I want to say he had uh, 154 receiving yards and like 67 rushing yards. Spagnola saw that you, you the next, the yeah, the, he saw that. And then the following week they made adjustments and they completely shut down Dalvin cook. they, stifled him at the line of scrimmage, which was the difference maker in the game. He didn't have a single yard after contact.
3: No, he didn't have a single yard before contact.
4: Oh, yes. (laughs) That was was the
3: stat. He was hit every time before he got to the line of scrimmage. Yes. Which is insane.
4: Yeah, and that just goes to show, I think, that You know, not only is this defense performing well, they're performing well against exceptional talent in players like Dalvin Cook. And then this weekend, they're going to have uh, another threat in Derrick Henry, who doesn't present the same kind of challenges, but he's 6'3", 247 pounds. I mean, he's going to be a force if he's able to get the run game going for the Titans. One of the criticisms of the Chiefs' defense has been that their run defense has basically stunk for you know as long as we can remember, especially dating back to last season in particular. But um, they've started to figure things out. And then the pass rush uh, in these last couple of weeks has jumped up into the top 10 rankings amongst other teams. I mean, in weeks seven through nine, they are putting up a 35% pressure rate, which is a fifth-ranked, uh, pressure rating in the NFL their sack rate has mm-hmm. increased from five percent to twelve percent which puts them at third so yeah. they're improving uh in all aspects
3: yeah we have 26 sacks right now which is nice yeah uh, that's coming along I'd like to see us take the ball away a little more I'd like to see us hang on to some of those interceptions that are in our hands I mean we talked last week when I spoke to Hong Forrest, the Chiefs fangirl we spoke about how you know I mean people were talking uh, talking up Aaron Rodgers in the team and talking about how great they played, et cetera, et cetera. And they did. They had a great game. That said, um, that pass bombed to the back corner of the end zone to Jamal Williams, I'd say 90 times out of 100, he drops that pass, doesn't make that big play. And we had the ball on our hands twice. I mean, Teron Matthews would have been, you know, one of the catches of the year. But he did have his hands on it. And the one to Brashad Breeland. If we take either one of those away, it was a one-score game. You know what I mean? Like, that, we were so in that game. It's crazy. Any
4: other quarterback. the,
3: The perception after a loss. Yeah. Regardless of the score, who you're playing, I mean, my big take going into this past week was that I thought we were gonna get the Vikings because A we're at home. They're gonna sometime they're gonna bow up and their pride's gonna to get to a point where the defense's like, not today. And secondly, you know, Kirk Cousins as great as he'd been playing, he's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not gonna pull magic out of his hat as much as Aaron did against us. Yeah. And that's what took place. I mean, Stefan Diggs had one catch for four yards.
4: Yeah, the fact that that the Chiefs were able to limit the Vikings receivers the way that they did was unbelievable. And especially when you look like you said at Kirk Cousins comparing him to Aaron Rodgers, there there's no there's no comparison. If the Chiefs are playing that game against the Packers again and it's any quarterback aside from Aaron Rodgers, they win that game. And I thought the funniest I guess funniest but also like saddest stat for the Vikings was that um What's uh, that Kirk Cousins when trailing in the fourth quarter like hasn't won in however many games, but it was a lot.
3: Yeah, he's got awful on the road stats, awful trailing stats. He's not that guy that lists the team up at the last minute. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to this week. I think that, uh, I think Spags is going to have a lot of focus on stopping those running backs, particularly, uh, Derrick Henry and trying to force Tannehill to beat us if he can. Somehow do that with the weapons he's got. They have some good receivers there. I think Delaney Walker's down still, so it's going to be Jonu Smith at tight end. But uh, I feel really good about our chances on the road, with or without Patrick. I think if he's ready, I want him to play. If he's not ready, or if he's if he's ready, I'd like to see him dress and maybe not start if he doesn't need to. If he's not, like, I don't, I don't want to be too careful. It's football. You know, it's a violent sport. Guys play. It's You can get hurt in any play, any game. You can come in 100% and be out two plays later. I think we have a really good chance on the road this week against the Tennessee Titans. What's the big key thing you're going to be looking for this week?
4: Yeah, well, first of all, I just want to say that I think, you know, if Patrick Mahomes is ready to go, he should go. If he's not, he shouldn't. And even if he dresses, I don't think there's even a, a reason for him to come in and play half of the game unless, for whatever reason, Matt Moore just completely – is unable to do is unable to do what he's been doing and they're down by 20 points at half or something like that. But the biggest key I think in this game and something that I'm going to be looking for is just continuing what the chiefs have been able to do on defense. Is this is what they're doing and what they're achieving sustainable? Is it as good as it's looking is, you know, is this in actuality something that is here to stay? And I think, you know, coming off of, of two home games, uh, to you know, one and one, a loss and then a, a really close win. But, you know, another game that could have mm-hmm. easily been a win against the Packers uh, and then a win against the Denver Broncos when the defense kind of almost looked to make that turn. Is this is this going to be what the Chiefs defense looks like from here on out? So I think that's the biggest thing I'm looking forward to seeing. The other thing, right. um, the other key would just be, you know, depending on who is playing at quarterback, chemistry with the offense i mean i think the biggest key for the the chiefs team that is currently you know the one that we're seeing right now with matt moore and not with patrick mahomes Mm -hmm. can they put together the full game that they did you know a complete team win and i think that going forward especially with matt moore it's going to be a huge key for this team to be successful to have the defense complementing the offense and vice versa Uh, matt moore Right. has done a good job of making sure that he's hitting receivers and adjusting uh in what he's learning as he goes. He said that uh after the Denver game and, and against the Packers that he was really hoping that he uh, wasn't going to underestimate Tyreek Hill anymore. Uh, that was something that he had to right. make an adjustment for and he did. Uh as we saw he, you know, hit Tyreek Hill plenty of times and Hill had 140 Rece- or yards on six receptions or something crazy like that. So.
3: Right there, Allie, that pass down the sideline where he dove.
4: Yeah, full extent. I, I
3: watched that over and over again. It's like he dove twice. He dove and he's so fast that his legs got back underneath him and he did two more quick steps and dove, and dove again. I was like, I've never seen that before. I'm like, how do you, how do you squeeze in two dives in <laughs> the last five yards before the ball goes into the end zone? He's, he's just... I mean, he's so phenomenal. His speed, I mean, he showed, you know, when he chased down Damian yeah. <laughs> Williams on that run. And that was a huge kudos to Andrew Wiley. Like, he was, it was so key having him back. Yeah. People underestimate. I'm telling you, the O-line gets no love when, when things aren't perfect. But then when they're injured, you really notice. I mean, that interior line was, was a swinging gate against the Colts, and it was horrible. You know, the edge sometimes every once in a while just breaks down, and, and Cam can't block certain guys, and they just get to the quarterback really fast. At the end of the game, for instance, it got really scary there. There was three times we could have turned the ball over. Yeah. And I was like, just run the ball a little bit, just slow him down, and then do the passes because now Matt fumbled the ball three times and we got it back. The wheels could have fell off right there. And to their credit, they didn't. But having Andrew Wiley back, having guys like that back is huge. And then to what you were saying about underestimating, I mean, even Patrick, the first, like last year, there was a couple times where he underestimated how fast Tyreek was. But then also to that point, Tyreek also said nobody can out throw him. Pat's done it a couple times. <laughs> Not by a lot, but he can he can definitely get it out there. Yeah. It's been pretty exciting watching uh watching Matt get a grasp on this offense and actually take advantage of some of the special players that we have out there.
4: Yeah, and and Andy Reid said it best um, following the game, it was either right after the game or you know this week at his Monday press conference. Just that Matt Moore's experience, his veteran, you know, his his veteranship, I guess you can call it, it's showing um, the way that he's yeah. been controlling this team. I mean, the fact that he even came in the Broncos game uh, and didn't, you know, have any huge hiccups in his first NFL snaps and however long it was, I think it was like over a year, you know, he he hadn't even practiced with some of these receivers. Like he had even said, like, he had no reps with Travis Kelsey, with Tyreek Hill. He just went out there kind of cold turkey and was, I mean, Ready in whatever ways he had been preparing for a moment that he knew could potentially happen, but no one thought that that was going to happen on a QB sneak. There's no way.
3: Right. Well, right now, the second highest rated quarterback under pressure is Russell Wilson. Yeah. The highest-rated quarterback under pressure is Matt Moore. Yeah. And like every one of those big plays he's made, pretty much every one of them, he's gotten hit in the teeth right as soon as he let the ball go or as he's letting the ball go. Yeah. And the dude just stands in there and takes it like John Wayne. It's amazing.
4: But I give him a lot of credit for that because he's he wants to make sure he gets the look that he wants and that's, you know, he's right. willing to take a hit for that which has allowed, you know, this offense to really get going especially in the passing game and he's just he's able to to make it work and he'll take the hit.
3: Well yeah, my whole point is a lot of guys won't stand in there. A lot of guys will see that hit coming and they'll they'll turtle or they'll they'll shirk under the pressure or they're, you know, they'll throw the ball into the ground. He reminds me of quarterbacks from like the 80s who just would get hit in the mouth and hitting the mouth and they just keep coming back for more. And I really respect that about his game. I agree. So going through the rest of the season now, we've got Tennessee, then we have the Chargers, and then we're on a break. And then we're at home for the Raiders. And my personal thought was if we end up resting Pat until the break, I mean, a home game against the Raiders would be such a sweet little comeback game. That said, obviously, if he can play this week, I'd love to see him play. But if he doesn't, I mean, it's tough because you don't know what's going to happen with the Patriots. I really, like this week, my buddy and I both have pretend money on uh, Baltimore because my my tweet last week was, what do the current undefeated Patriots and every team in the NFL before week one starts have in common? They haven't played anybody. And everybody was just coming at me from all over the place, especially Patriot fans, obviously. Don't talk, Joe. We have the best defense. I'm like, your toughest contest was the Bills, and Josh Allen's not there yet, and you knocked him out of the game halfway through when you're playing Matt Barkley. My friend's a, a Niners fan, and I've seen them play a lot tougher than the Patriots have played, and they just, they're just they scary. They're a scary team. I'd love to see a Chiefs-Niners Super Bowl, to be honest. I think it would be a great challenge, or, or a rematch of the, the Green Bay game. Rematch of Super Bowl One That would be fantastic. Can you imagine the 100th year? You have a rematch of Super Bowl One. Yeah, that'd be pretty amazing.
4: And because I think everything is rigged in the NFL, like I feel like that'll just happen. (laughs) But, um, but, you know, I agree with you. I think the 49ers scare me the most. And I think the the reason for that isn't because of Jimmy Garoppolo. It's not because of, um, you know, how they've been able to, Click on offense. It's Nick Bosa.
0: Oh,
3: that that defensive front is scary. That defensive front is so good. Oh my gosh! And D Ford's doing really well, isn't he? He's <laughs> I'm like, come on, Cheese Kingdom. Yeah, you couldn't get rid of that guy fast enough, and he's just tearing it up, just tearing it up. No, he, love you, D.
4: Yeah, no, he. And you know what? I, I know he he caught a lot of a lot of flack after you know lining up offsides in the AFC Championship game, but yeah, the game was lost in more ways than one. Sure I think was. D Ford he needed a new environment. I think. You know, I I'm not going to sit there and and criticize any any of those players for, you know, the success they did or didn't have. I mean, he he did a lot for the Chiefs defense last year, and it just so happened that, you know, the game was kind of lost on that play in that moment. Not to say the Chiefs couldn't have had other opportunities to win it. They don't score any points in the first half. I look to that as sure. being the biggest the biggest difference maker in the game, if anything. And then the coin toss. You know, you can't, you can't control what you can't control.
3: Yeah, at the end of the um, game.
4: But no, I agree. 49ers scare me. And the Patriots don't scare me that much.
3: Not at all. They don't scare me at all. I'm, I feel like we're going to beat the brakes off them when we play them. I think the next four games, they might lose two or three of them.
4: Yeah. Yeah, no, Honestly, 100%. I,
3: I still hear people talking about us in the wild card round, and I'm like... I haven't given up hope on home field advantage. I don't see anybody in in the AFC right now that's head and shoulders above the Chiefs at all. They're not even close. And that said, honestly, if we end up going in as a wild card, if somehow you know, Patrick stays out for a few more weeks and and Oakland passes us or some crazy whatever circumstance and we go in as a wild card, any team, any field, bring it on. The last 30 years, if Patrick's healthy and this defense keeps gelling, (laughs) I don't... I don't think playing one more week is going to be the make it or break it thing for us.
4: Right, and a lot of people have said too, and I agree with this statement. Patrick Mahomes, his you know t- decision to come back. Obviously, it should be all based on his current health and like how he's actually able to um, you know physically. Play in a football game, but it shouldn't be dependent on Matt Moore or the backup quarterback at all. The Chiefs just so happen to get right. lucky that they have a great backup quarterback who is, you know, coming in. He's rising to the occasion. He hasn't thrown a single, t- he hasn't turned the ball over one time. Uh, he's. Knock
3: wood. <laughs>
4: yeah, knock on wood. I
3: don't want to jinx Matt.
4: Yeah. But I mean, they got lucky in that regard. So they, you know, they might have a little bit more wiggle room uh, or feel less pressure, but I don't think any, any of that should be dependent on how the backup quarterback is performing. Patrick Mahomes should come back when Patrick Mahomes is ready. I think, like you said, I don't think that there's a team in the AFC who's had, you know, head a head and shoulders above, kansas city right now especially the patriots and the other thing that i think is really important this chiefs team is being battle tested right now they're going through adversity they didn't go through a lot of adversity last season sure they lost kareem hunt but damian williams stepped up and the team did exceptionally well even without kareem hunt and you could say that kareem hunt could have been the difference maker in the afc championship game because of the way he was able to disrupt the patriots in regular season play last year but i would take a chiefs team that's faced adversity this season over the chiefs team that we had last season and i think the other thing that's important is that players who wouldn't be getting as many snaps uh who are having to step into bigger roles and getting to understand the scheme in real time yep. are going to be a whole lot more valuable it's going to give spagnola it's going to give eric Bieniemy uh even though I wouldn't say the receiving core has faced as many injuries. Granted you were without Sammy Watkins and Tyree Kill for a little bit of time, but you know, having players mm-hmm. not fully healthy all season, but now coming back when it really matters at the end of the season, just opened up more opportunity for McCall Harmon, for, for Byron Pringle, exactly
3: for, you Very know, nice this point.
4: a lot of these defensive players who have had to step up now going forward, now that they've had this time to acclimate, build, uh, you know, connections with the other players that they're out on the field with. That just gives, you know, Andy Reid, Steve Spagnuolo, Eric Bieniemy, all of this flexibility uh, in drawing up, you know, play and designing plays, which I think is going to be really interesting to see how they utilize uh, a lot of these weapons that we didn't even know that they had going into the season.
2: Mm-hmm. Well,
3: they got to utilize, uh, like you said, those receivers got some game time reps. Darrell Williams got to come in and show what he's capable of. I'm really looking forward to the, the games down the stretch. There's a long way to go, people. Everybody's talking about seeding and everything else because they know that's just you know the 24-hour news cycle. We spoke about that offline. It's a blessing and a curse. Yes. You know, there's there's always something to talk about, but there's not always something to talk about. Sometimes you're just talking about the same thing, and sometimes it's hyperbole. Talking about teams possibly going to London to be there permanently. Shod Khan basically squashed that. I mean, if anybody was going to be all for that, it would be that guy. Yeah. His Jags are beloved over there. I think that uh, going forward. I think we can look forward to a lot more of the same, a lot more of the team just gelling. It's all about, this league's all about getting healthy at the right time and not peaking too soon. And I just feel like everything's moving upward, the needle's pointing up for, for every position on the roster right now, including quarterback, because we're playing with our backup and we're winning. We're 2 and 1 with our backup in there. And the one we did lose was a very close game against one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. I'll take that every day and twice on Sunday. Any last thoughts, Allie, you wanted to express to our listeners?
4: Not anything in particular, but I just, you know, I think the biggest thing now is just we're on Patrick Mahomes' watch. So, uh, like I said, I think the yeah. most important thing with this whole thing, and I'm not a doctor. Most of the people talking on this topic aren't doctors, but <laughs> right. really I think the important thing is that, you know, Patrick Mahomes' return should not be dependent on what the backup quarterback is doing Uh, Patrick Mahomes should return when Patrick Mahomes is healthy and when he's ready to go and when he's been cleared by the doctors. But, you know, I'm kind of with you. I, you know, I think we had kind of talked a little earlier about I think Matt Moore could easily go in this game against the Titans and win with the way that they've been playing. I mean, you go one and one against Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins and the game against Rodgers and the Packers was an easy win, not an easy win, but could have in any you know, turn of events been a win for Kansas City. Aaron Rodgers just did Aaron Rodgers things and connecting on insane yeah. passes that no other quarterback would make, other than Patrick Mahomes. But exactly, you know, they they have what it takes right now, even without Mahomes, and that's because Andy Reid uh, knows how to utilize the talent that he has offensively. He's done a great job, I think, preparing Matt Moore week in and week out, making him even more dangerous uh, and even more of a of the glue that kind of is keeping this whole thing together and not if not even that, but just helping spark uh this this fire that we had kind of been missing a little bit. And I think these players are starting to realize like, hey, even without Mahomes we can win. And not having Mahomes puts even more pressure, I think, uh and even more reason to perform at all times. And so I think we're starting to see that and this team come playoff time, they're gonna be one to watch, that's for sure.
3: All right. well, I want to thank you for coming on today, Allie.
4: Yeah, thank you so much.
3: Can you hear that, Cheese Kingdom? Patrick Mahomes' watch. It's officially ticking. It's going to start this week. will be next week. will be after the bye. We'll have to wait and see. Meanwhile, if this team keeps playing the way they've been playing as a team, backing up Matt Moore's play, defense coming along, players on offense making plays left, right, and center. I see us winning a lot of football games. And I see the sky's the limit this season. Stay positive. Let's keep winning. Go
2: Chiefs. As they prepare for their matchup this Sunday, Andy Reid and Mike Vrabel both talk about their team's plans heading into the big matchup, as well as their own relationship in the coaching world.
5: As far as Patrick goes, Patrick's going to practice today. Um, I, I can't give you an answer on how much, or we're going to see how he does. And then I think it's going to be day-to-day. I mean, we got to see how he handles. Uh, he didn't take a ton of reps last week, so um, we'll try to increase him here a little bit and see how it, how it works out. And then, um, you know, we'll keep you abreast as it goes. But right now, that's, that's where we're at. with So um, uh, it, we look forward to playing. Tennessee uh, and the challenge of playing them—they're a good football team. Uh, they've been banged up a little bit, but you know they're probably getting their guys back, and and uh, and they've done a nice job. I think Mike Rabel's a heck of a football coach, and I think he does a nice job of that group. They're tough—I mean, really tough—and and, and uh, on both sides of the ball. So uh, we, we've got to prepare ourselves for a physical football game as well. It's a team that's well coached, so uh, we're going to do that start today. Time's yours.
1: <coughs> With Patrick. He's you know, done a little bit of stuff at practice the last couple weeks. It's fair to say you're going to push him a little bit more and kind of stress it out see where he is this week.
5: Yeah, we're going to see it with a little bit more and just see how, how he works, you know, um, and how he handles it. And then we'll, we'll go from there. Um, you know, Rick and his crew have done a good job of monitoring. Patrick's been honest with him and shot him straight. He, You know, he obviously wants to play. I mean, that's that's him. He's wanted to do that since 20 minutes after it happened. So um, but we've just got to see not only today when he works but how how he wakes up with it in the morning so um i, I just think it's you know it's day to day we'll get both guys ready to go and we'll like we did last week and we'll be we'll take it from there see how how it all works
3: what, mean, what has rick and his staff kind of told you guys told you what they need to see to say that he's good to
5: go because you can't leave it up to them so what do they yeah need to well see? the doctors yeah i mean you yeah, know they're they're involved we've uh, we've had experts look at it, so we're we're not the experts. I'm not the expert for sure, and uh, and so um, now it's a matter of just going through and doing it. That's what it's uh, you know it's been increases work level. See how he handles it, and that's where we're at. And so uh, we'll monitor it. Um, Rick will, and um, and we'll just see how he does. I mean, there's just no there, there's no answer right now for it, and. Uh, um, that's that's what's real, and uh, we go with it. So Henny's up
1: now, just to confirm. It'll be Matt, if not
5: Matt. Is that what you're uh, yeah, it'll be Matt. Right. Yes. Yeah. Now Henny's Henny's uh available too. So well, we got a good situation there because I have a lot of trust in Henny, likewise. So it's uh, you know, uh, that's, uh, that's a that's a good good situation. How At important Andy is the three week mark in terms of Patrick's injury uh, not being you know, not being really injured yeah so you know they put time I I don't know who puts all the times on it um, but you just you keep checking it and rechecking it and talking with a kid and there's a whole communication process that goes on with it everybody heals different and um, you know we're not going to put him out there unless he's unless he's safe to to do it you know and so but he's got to work he's got to go through this work level and see and, and keep increasing it and see how he does you know that's yeah, you know, that's where we're at. Andy, how much different do you feel about Matt after he's played the last couple of weeks? And just, just going from what you might have thought about him to what you now have seen. Yeah, um, I think he's done a nice job. I know he's tougher than shoe leather, right? He, he he's battled back, sore, but uh, <laughs> he's tough, and and he keeps firing. He does it on time. He trusts his guys. Um, my hat goes off to him. I mean, just like you guys feel. I mean, I feel the same way. Just uh, to come from where he was to what he's doing now is a tribute to the kid. And, and, and listen, Mike Kafka spent a lot of time with him. E.B. spent a lot of time. I, th- those guys have uh, worked to teach him, and so it's a uh, you know a tribute to those guys too.
6: When you, I, I know we asked you this when it first
5: happened, but when when you bring a guy in who hasn't played in a year and a half, what is it you felt you knew about him that? You made to think you could just scrape the rust off. Yeah, so if I, we, well, he was coaching, so he's throwing with his guys and, and doing that. I mean, he wasn't out of shape. He kept himself in shape. I mean, not as much shape as you can keep yourself in without playing in the NFL, so he was in decent shape. So, um, But it came down, you knew this, but it came down to those two, both he and Chad, so we had to, we bring one guy in, we went with Chad, and then... Uh, you know, Matt was still out there and available, so okay. we, we went right to him when when Chad got hurt. So, okay. you stick with three <laughs> the rest of the way. I mean, I know injuries can affect how you we know, handle the roster. And I can't. I don't. I don't know that. I, I kind of let that Brett does all that, and I'm just. You know, we get so you get so caught up in just getting ready, I and mean, we've. You know, we're playing a good team, so we're, we're, that's where our focus is right now, and and. Whoever's going is going, and we roll with it. And then Brett, t- Brett does a good job; I got full trust in him to do all that other stuff. Yeah.
1: Those two missed games for Frank Clark
6: with a neck injury. How much do you anticipate him being able
5: to do this? He's getting better, so um, we'll see. He's another one that'll do some stuff, and we'll just see how you know how he does. Larry will do some stuff. We'll see how he does, you know. But um, th- these are those injury; they're they're not um, season-ending, but you got to see where they're at and. Um, you know, we'll, okay. we'll we'll just see how it rolls. Andy, Did you, uh, Fisher and Fuller, could you? Fuller's been going. Um, it's just you know he's got that thing on his hand, so it's tough for him to catch in that. But he's getting better. It's healing and getting better. He's been out working though. He, he's been doing that. Yeah, he just Fisher. he can. Yeah, Fisher. Uh, Fisher. I, I think I said Fisher, not practicing today. Yeah. So yeah. He came back. Fisher came
0: back to practice a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and obviously we sat him down since then. Was there a setback or what what happened
5: him? yeah it just it, it bothered him and so um, so the doctor recommended that you just you arrest him here for a bit and um, and that happens with that with that injury so it's it's not unusual um, and and he'll get back I mean he's it's again it's not a season-ending thing he's just just working
6: good opportunity to talk to Mike great on the conference call and he mentioned
1: that uh, you per- you in particular have said uh, call any time. Uh, call me anytime and you actually need it exciting the job process your life just why
6: is he been
5: someone that you admire um you know, in, in yeah i think he does it the right way i mean he's a, he's a relentless worker You saw that as a player i mean you guys had him right here so right so you've talked to him before and, and know the person um tough kid uh, he was that way as a player he's that way as a coach he's smart and um um, you know, if, I can help, whatever uh, whatever's best for the league, you know, you, you, do. I mean, that's, we're lucky to be in this business. So, and, and as long as it's a good person that's, that's out there, I'm willing to help. A you know. couple so more guys,
1: Andy, When you watch?
0: Uh, not this week, but normally, um, y- you know, again, Andy's, uh, the, the league's a better place, uh, with Andy, uh, and his family, a part of it, um. Just um, getting to know him throughout uh, coaching, uh, going through this process. Um, you know, leaned on him about preparing for interviews. Um, different things that come up outside of uh, football, also with football. I mean, he's been a great mentor, um, someone that I would uh, am very appreciative of um, to, to be able to reach out to him. In
1: what ways does his scheme sort of stress a defense?
0: Well, there's a lot of speed. I mean, I think it's uh, there's it's, there's a speed element to it horizontally. There's also, you know, the speed element vertically. You know, downfield, and so you know you have to cover um, you know a lot of the field. Um, they have a quarterback that um, you know is able to make decisions on on whether to pull it and and throw it or, or hand it off. Um, you know, so again, they they do a good job and, and each and every week of, of Putting stress on the defense. Healthy
5: as far as matchups go, putting stress on the defense is he is a tough guy to match up. At- well, well, he's long, defense.
0: he's athletic, uh, he's got good, good hands, good release, good play strength. So, um, yeah, I think he's re- you know very savvy um, to be able to understand how he has to to get to a certain depth and, and understand how he has to run a certain route um, versus press or versus zone. And I think, you know, the quarterback obviously um, trusts him, likes him, but been very productive uh, for a lot of years.
2: What stands out to you about Tyron Matthew when you watch him?
0: I think he loves football. I think he really enjoys – I think he loves, I would imagine, coming to work every day and learning and studying. Um, He plays with passion, energy. I think he's a very good tackler. I think he's an instinctive player. Uh, not having ever met him, you know, I would just those are the things that I see uh, from tape.
2: Does it seem like they do some different things to get him, like in, as a robber, or even just in
5: coverage? Yeah,
0: I mean, there's there's different ways that they get him involved, and you know, they'll they'll blitz him some, but he's um, he has the opportunity to come in around the line of scrimmage, down around the line of scrimmage, and then um, from from a coverage standpoint. You know, they can they can pop him down into different places from from the weak side or, you know, use his ability in the deep part of the field. He, he can, you know, has a lot of versatility.
5: Khalif, Raymond,
1: giving you more out of the return game than you had the first part of the season?
0: Well, I mean, I think Khalif's um, done a good job. I think we've blocked, uh, you know, a little better, um, so. You know, hopefully, we can continue that when they when they give us opportunities to kick. Um, I would just say that Khalif has taken advantage of the opportunities that he's had uh, in the special teams. You know, on fourth down in the return game, even coverage has um, showed up on kickoff coverage, and th- thrown whatever he's got into the mix and, and made made some tackles. And so, hopefully, um, he'll continue to take his you know advantage of his opportunities.
5: You have a conversation with Ryan somewhere after that game
0: uh, and what's the expectation of the follow-up well i have conversations with uh, most all of our players um every day that i come to work uh, the expectations are the same for for everybody that we do our job uh, that we that we make tackles you know block our guy make field goals punt the ball well um, cover kicks that that's the expectation as many kicks this year, as many field goal attempts as, as any year, full year in the franchise history since it's been here, it's obviously an area that, that this team's been able to rely on more than that historically. How much has that put you in a hole? You know, I think there's a lot of things that we have to overcome um, each and every year. Um, this week, you know, I think that there'll be things during the game that we'll have to overcome. Um, whether it be a sack, whether it be a missed kick, a missed tackle, um, a touchdown. So I think it's important that we we focus on our ability to overcome things and, and not, you know, dwell on not being able to to do something. Understanding the course of the game, it's not going to go our way, uh, and and hopefully we understand that. Uh, we'd like to eliminate all the potential mistakes and the things that get you beat, but um, but know that you know if we can finish. Um, games and get off to a better start. Uh, that'll give us a better chance.
5: How's Ryan kind of responded this week in practice so far?
0: You know, I thought it was good yesterday, you know, and uh, you know, we'll keep keep working and progressing. I got a lot of confidence in him. He's, you know, Ryan's made a lot of kicks uh, in this league, not only for us but but for Kansas City before, and uh, I think we're all confident that that he'll make them um, going forward. You know, that's you know, he's a skilled player. He's been accurate, and uh, we anticipate him being accurate this week.
6: What's going on, everybody? This is John Dylan with Chiefs Wire, and this week we're talking about the history of the Chiefs Titans matchup. So, currently the the series standing is twenty nine twenty three Chiefs. They've had no ties for all these games, and actually this this matchup dates back to the AFL. So. You know, all the way back into the 1960s, these teams actually played a AFL championship game that the then-Dallas Texans, which turned into the Chiefs later down the line, the Dallas Texans actually won that game in two overtimes with a score of 20-17, to and in, in that, I should be noted, was when the Titans were the then-Houston Oilers, which they remained up through the mid-90s, so, you know, this is a kind of storied matchup, you know, it's got it's got some real history to it. There's some pretty crazy games in it. Once you kind of dig dig deeper into it, there was a there was a uh, there was a 1993 AFC divisional playoff game, which the Chiefs won 28 to 20. Now the Chiefs lost their last playoff game against these guys back in 2018 when Chiefs played at Tennessee at at home. You know, there was a, a crazy turn of events. You know, there was the, the play where uh, where Marcus Mariota had a tipped ball that came back at him, and he caught it and actually scored a touchdown, one of the most bizarre plays I've ever seen, for sure. And there was also a, a sack by, I believe, Derek Johnson, that, like, sack-fumble situation where they, they ruled that, almost like a tuck rule situation, yeah, that didn't break the Chiefs' way, and they lost by one point at home, uh, you know, a pretty pretty crazy crazy game either way you know this uh this matchup this year is kind of different you know this titans team is they're not bad per se but like with with marcus mariota getting benched for for ryan Tannehill, you know they're not they're definitely not the team that i think any of us would have predicted they would be coming into the season if that makes sense so like They've still got they've still got pieces on defense. They they've got guys on offense who who can kind of stir the pot. But just given the the difference in the quarterback's situation, you know, a I think they're a more beatable team than they would be, obviously, if things were going uh, as planned for them. But also, I think that I think that the Chiefs are kind of due for a big win right now, especially if Mahomes ends up coming back, which it looks like he very very well might. I think it it kind of leaves the Chiefs in a position where you know they're they're kind of hot and ready to get going for the for the final stretch of the season, and the uh Titans are maybe caught off guard to a certain extent but wanted to to wrap up this segment with a little history about one of the Titans' great quarterbacks, uh, Steve McNair. He's, you know, one of those guys I feel like we don't talk about as much, you know, certainly not as much as, you know, Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or Ben Roethlisberger, but, you know, he he really uh, went out there, you know, I mean, this guy was a MVP Heisman Trophy winner. You know, he, he went to the Pro Bowl three times in a 12-year career, but he really kind of revolutionized the game, right? He was one of these guys kind of like Patrick Mahomes who could, who could make all the throws, you know, and and was a pocket passer, but could manufacture plays where maybe other guys couldn't. You know, he ended his career with 31,000 passing yards, 82.8 passer rating, 174 touchdowns. You know, I mean, he was just a stud, and I feel like he's a guy that that we don't talk about enough in today's NFL. You know, there are a lot of stars, and there's a lot of guys change the way that the game is played But there aren't as many that are as exciting to watch as a guy like Steve McNair. So either way, that's where I'll leave you this week. Thanks so much for listening and have a good one.
2: For everyone at Chiefs Wire, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to today's episode Make sure to follow us on social media at The Chiefs Wire for more information. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next time.